Welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I'm your host, Dave, and this week we are going to be taking a look at the final season of Star Wars The Clone Wars with our friends at the Execute Chapter 66 Podcast. And uh, please go check out the latest episode of Needless Things Presents Execute Chapter 66. Uh, it's about Ahsoka, the novel that focuses on, guess who, Ahsoka. Uh, just like the final season of Clone Wars, or at least the final two-thirds of the season of Clone Wars. Uh, it's a great, it's it's a lot, you guys. It's very sentimental. Lots to think about, lots to look at. Uh, very surprised at the way things tied together. So uh, you're going to enjoy this conversation. But before... We get to this conversation. I think we have to have some news. You want some news, Phantomaniacs? Here's some news. I'm sick of this. I am sick of everything being shut down. I'm sick of wearing a mask everywhere. I'm sick of going to work on this weird schedule and not having any kind of like, uh, having all this extra super cleanup craziness. I'm tired of not being able to just walk into a store and buy the stuff I want to buy. I'm tired of not being able to go to Best Buy. I'm tired of not being able to go to a CD warehouse. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it all. I don't want to have to have an agenda of buying toilet paper and soap just so I can go to Walmart and run over to the action figure aisle because fortunately here in Georgia they haven't roped off the action figure aisles. It's craziness. I wanted to hear Purple Rain on vinyl. I got into a big Prince thing last week, watched Purple Rain, listened to basically every Prince album, and I was like, man, I really want to hear Purple Rain on vinyl. It's one of the greatest albums of all time, probably in my top five. It's incredible from beginning to end. I want to put a needle on that thing, sit back in the Phantom Zone, close my eyes, lean back, and listen to every single one of those tracks until it gets to the end of the A-side, and then I want to get up. I want to flip that platter over, put the needle back down, and listen to the rest of the album, ensconced in the comfort of the Phantom Zone. But no, no, I can't even have this simple pleasure, because the the most reasonable place to get this record from was, of course, Amazon. Amazon, who I think is completely full of shit with this, we're prioritizing things. You're prioritizing masks and gloves and cleaning products, except guess what? You've been out of masks and gloves and cleaning products since I started trying to order them six weeks ago. I think you're full of shit. I think you're leaning back and saying, <laughs> these suckers are paying for Prime, and we're giving them dates that are like 15 days away for regular stuff that we could get to them in no time, no problem at all. And so they send me this copy of Purple Rain, 
because it was the most reasonable price for the most reasonable amount of time. And you know what they did? They stuck it in a bag. They put it in a bag, a vinyl bag. No protection whatsoever. The album comes, it's bent to shit, looks like it's been stuck up an ogre's ass. It's the worst piece of garbage I've ever gotten in the mail in my life from Amazon. So I put it right back in the bag, print up a return label, have to take it to, I have to get up and go somewhere, which violates all of this, and put it at the UPS drop-off, and now I don't have my copy of Purple Rain. I'll never order a record from Amazon again, and I'd be lying if I said I'm never going to order anything from Amazon again, because in this day and age, that's not a reasonable proposition to make. But I'm just tired of all of this. But that's what we got to do, because we have to be safe, we have to watch out for each other, We have to make good decisions and do the best we can do with this whole thing. I just would like to be able to go to the record store and buy a record and not give some online piece of shit money for garbage product that I'm not even going to be able to use. And that's the thing is Walmart and Amazon have got to be loving this because this is murdering small business. Walmart, the worst retailer in the history of retail, and yes, I consider them to be worse than Amazon because Amazon may be like killing local business, but they're not choking actual manufacturers out to death the way that Walmart does. So, like, you can get your product onto Amazon regardless of who you are. Walmart has the final say over who lives and who dies in the retail market, which is why I hate them so much. But they've got to be loving this because we're all just stuck at home with so few options of how to get the little things that get us through day-to-day life in this craziness that we're enduring right now. And now, murder hornets are on the way. Oh, great! Open up for the murder hornets and then bears with chainsaws and shark birds and who knows what else is going to happen before the end of this fucking year is over. Anyway, let's all try to be kind and hang in there. And maybe maybe if you need to vent a little bit, do that from time to time. I'm uh uh sorry, you guys. That that one got away from me a little bit. Uh, I hope you're doing okay out there. Uh, I hope you're reaching out. If you need to reach out, I hope people are reaching out to you. Uh, I hope you haven't been burned on a vinyl copy of Purple Rain when you really, really need it. Uh, Let's just sit back and enjoy a nice conversation about Star Wars The Clone Wars with the Execute Chapter 66 crew. Phantomaniacs, one of the most epic stories in the history of a galaxy far, far away, recently came to its conclusion, although no stories ever truly end in the world of Star Wars. But tonight, we are going to take a look at the seventh and final season of Star Wars The Clone Wars that changed... uh, You know, it's very often uh, the, the phrase 
this will change everything is thrown around, but I do feel as it pertains to this show, it's a fact because so much of what we know about Star Wars was turned on its head uh, in a good way by the events, not just of this season, but of the show in its entirety. And joining me tonight are the crew of the Execute Chapter 66 podcast. Uh, Welcome, Ryan, Chad, and Beth. Hey, it's good to be here. I'm just here to talk about Stinky and why. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, can you imagine if we were trying to do an episode about the whole Clone Wars series? It wouldn't be possible. It would take a couple of weeks. Yeah, and we don't have that kind of time, so we're just going to uh, get into it with Chad's... Uh, I don't know what the hell you're up to. i got plenty to do. i got plenty of time. Plenty of time. Uh, we got started a little bit late, uh, but that's my fault for planning a podcast on the night where every white person in America has to have tacos. Uh, things got delayed a little bit. But we're all ready to get right into it. This season was basically a gift from Disney. Uh, did you get Did you get your salsa, Ryan? Yeah. You're damn right, I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it it apparently took them exactly 22 minutes to deliver it. <laughs> oh, I went back. <laughs> oh, you had to go get it. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> well, I feel slightly better okay. about this now because I thought you had some poor person bringing it to you. Oh, no, I went and got it. At the, at the palatial Schweck Estates. <laughs> no, I'm not that bad. I wouldn't have had someone deliver it. <laughs> All right, so, Chad... A gift from Disney. Sorry, I cut you off. Uh, no, 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 that's okay. That's okay. Um, because I'm throwing it over to you anyway, do you want to tell okay. us a little bit about how this season came about? Because we were, I mean, we were pretty much done. We, there was no expectation even though we knew there were storylines to be resolved, I don't think we had any expectation that it was definitely going to happen. No, I mean, we, they had even gone so far as to release the animatics, right, for several story arcs from the season. Yeah, um, Bad Yeah, Filoni had shown pretty much the entire Bad Batch um, arc at a, at a con or celebration or something. And so these stories were kind of already known um, as far as that goes. So it, it is kind of them going back and uh, telling stories that some of us already knew. But I'm not exactly sure how it came about. I know they, it was in the works for a while before they re- revealed it. I do know that. Ryan, do you remember how it kind of when they announced that they were doing this? I don't remember exactly. Uh, they announced at Comic-Con, I think it was Comic-Con, in 2018. I believe it was with the trailer. Um, You know, they definitely have been working on it since 16 because EK Johnson, when she was writing the Ahsoka book had been told you can't do certain things because this is the story we're telling. So they at least had started working on then. Um, And, you know, they had released the son of Dathomir comic, which I think originally was supposed to be episodes in the next season. So that story had kind of, been written already. I think so was uh, the novel Dark Disciple. Correct. But Christine Goldman was also an arc from what would have been the final season of Clone Wars as well, involving uh, Quinlan Voss and uh, Asajj Ventress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But besides that, yeah, I mean, they, they're basically just kind of... I don't know what... I, I, I honestly don't, don't, however, know what spurred them to do this. 
um, what they were, what made them decide, like, you know what, let's go back and do those storylines. Uh, you know, after the success of Rebels and um, and then Resistance is on the air, I'm not 100 percent sure why that decision was made. To be honest, because typically <laughs> once once you're at the point where creators are sharing unused production material, the thing isn't going to happen. Right. Usually, yeah, that's why. Yeah, you only show those things, you know, after the fact, you know. Uh, Do you think part of it is connecting, you know, if there was an even longer-term plan, connecting the story kind of tissue between where Darth Maul goes, where Ahsoka goes? Like, you've got to fill those holes to get to... Mandalorian and other things, Solo, for example, like it kind of completes that linear story. I think so. I mean, it's it turned out to be uh, as Chad threw this number out there. I can't remember if it was before or after we started recording. I think it was before. Uh, it turned out that about seventy five percent of the content of this season was pretty critical to ongoing storylines across all Star Wars media. Uh, and, you know, it, it's just weird for a big corporation to decide, you know, I think it's important for the fans to get this. I, because, look, money money is typically the, the baseline for anything like this that happens. And I can think of a dozen other projects that probably would have made Disney more money than just adding this show to their streaming service. Uh, as much as we all love Clone Wars... I don't know that to the general public it's a, oh, there are new Clone Wars. We better sign up for Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. So it was, it's it's just really, really cool that this ended up happening. And I feel very fortunate that we got this, uh, this part of the story concluded, and especially in the way that they concluded it. But we'll get to that once we start talking about the plots and the episodes. Uh, Beth, have you got, before going into this season... Like, what kind of expectations did you have about it? I I wasn't aware of all the stuff that had been shared. I didn't know what this season was going to be. What were you kind of looking forward to prior to it airing? Well, and I got a little impatient with the show once it did start because I knew it was going to have a big Ahsoka arc. And so right from the bat, I was like, all right, they're going to drag it out for a few episodes. They're not going to bring out Ahsoka right away because everybody's expecting it because... If you listen to our podcast, we just did an episode about the Ahsoka book. So I knew that there was going to be a tie-in from how she got from where she was when they left off at the Clone Wars to where she was in Rebels. And eventually, at some point, we will lead into how she winds up in The Mandalorian, if that really is a thing that happens. But I really was just expecting to see what happened to Ahsoka and if you read the book, you, you kind of have an idea of where she ends up after the Clone Wars, but I wanted to see it get there. And I think how they got it there was really, really good, and it was really interesting. And I am very, very thankful that we got this season, even if I didn't love every single episode. Just to have it at all is amazing. And let's face it, I, I, I'm in it for those last four episodes, because those four episodes might be the best Star Wars that... I've ever seen. It's possible. I don't know right now, but it might be. It definitely made it interesting that you know where the end of the show is. Like, it's not like a, I don't know where this is going. Order 66 is going to happen. Um, and I think it made the viewing interesting because that sense of dread is always there. It's not going to end well. 
Yeah, that was, I mean, from the beginning of the Clone Wars, one of my concerns is I don't see how they can tie this Ahsoka Tano character and, and certain other things that are going on in this show into what we've already seen in the films. And, you know, Lucas always kind of played fast and loose with continuity of shows and books and comics and whatever else versus the movies, and there were actually things... Uh, that just didn't seem like they could be resolved and make sense. And they did. They wrapped it all up, and it worked. And they, I think, had to do some plot gymnastics, but they did them very well. I was very satisfied with uh-huh. with this, with the idea of if you watch the movie, you don't even know that this very important character, Ahsoka, exists. But they they made it work for me did did it was it satisfying for all of you absolutely yeah it was yeah, there, there, I, was I, there, there were definitely tears but it, it, it definitely I was never as worried about it because I can kind of take I can take my Star Wars stories a little in, independent sometimes so if Ahsoka was just on the show I was okay with that but the way that they, they did do it and have her be almost Rosencrantz and Guildensterning it, you know, running parallel to the events of Revenge of the Sith, um, I found to be very satisfying. And and like you said, it, it, it does kind of, uh, you know, if you go back and watch Revenge, Revenge of the Sith, there's probably not a moment on screen where she would have come up. Right. dialogue you know yeah. things are things are pretty intense from start to finish well what there's, what really sold that for me was we come in on the conversation between uh mace windu yoda and ayla secura and, and kiati mundi that is por- a portion of that conversation is from revenge of the sith yeah and then there's a very clear cut to where we're back in our story that we're following. But they did that a couple of times where they took very specific things that you know are in the movie and showed them as a... this That, that movie's going on in the background of this story. Yeah. It's yeah. This better part. story is going on <laughs> while you're watching. <laughs> uh, what they did do is they super screwed it up for anybody who wants to watch Star Wars media in order now because what are you going to do hit pause on revenge of the sith to watch this part of clone wars and then turn that back on and it's going to be really tough for anybody to go chronologically with this stuff anymore IGN. have you ever heard of a super cut have you ever heard of a super cut yeah ign actually already has a really cool uh video up that puts the scenes from clone wars revenge of the sith and fallen order the video game puts them all together on screen uh, and, and you get to see Order 66 as it took place through those three different forms of media. It's a really cool video. It's only like two and a half minutes, uh, but it's really neat to see that those things do tie together and that they do flow through those narratives. Okay, well, I gotta go, so uh, <laughs> see you guys later. Uh, and I, I will say... You know, I'm not going to downplay the way that Order 66 was originally depicted in Revenge of the Sith. Uh, it broke me up when I when I watched that movie. And it's still, uh, to this day, I, I get the feelings when I watch it because, you know, the the idea that the Jedi have been fighting alongside these clones and they get turned on and, and that they're the good guys and that this is 
this is the the big bad's plan coming to fruition it it is a powerful scene in the context of the movie but what this show has done is add so much more emotion to that event by actually showing the relationships not just between the clones and the jedi but between the clones themselves and uh but but I I don't want to get too far ahead because we're really kind of yeah, just we, talking we, about we the end the of the season. Episodes. We need to get back to the Bad Batch, uh, the Absolutely. opening episode that disappointed Beth so much because Ahsoka wasn't in it. <laughs> no, I, I I wasn't expecting her to <laughs> no, be in the no, first episode. I knew it wasn't going to happen. Uh, and and it, I, I for me, this seemed like a perfect start because it was a classic Clone Wars episode of like, here's a group of clones. We're going to follow them for a couple episodes and see what clones are up to. Like, I, I really kind of liked that it threw us back into that. Um, now, Ryan, how much knowledge did you have beforehand of, of what this season was going to be? I mean, not a lot. We knew that they were going to do the Siege of Mandalore, um, that they were going to do the Bad Batch, and then that the last ones would be Ahsoka and Order 66. But that's about it. So we knew the major beats of what was going to happen, but not how it was going to get there. Um, I didn't know they were going to use... And I don't know if it's in the storyboards. I can't. It's been so long since I've watched them. But if we knew that that was going to wrap up the Echo storyline or not, surely it's in the storyboards. But I think that was a really great thing about that first arc, too, is, you know, that was kind of a major thing that was just kind of left out there, um, was finishing off that Echo stuff. It was also the only arc, not the only, not really, kind of, where we got a lot of Anakin. I mean, I know we got a little bit of him in the last arc, but one thing that I was, to me, weird about this season is kind of our leads, or at least our leads when the show started were kind of absent. You know, Anakin's in it some, but Obi-Wan's pretty not there. Padme doesn't show up at all. Um, they kind of really, what, what, this, what season seven kind of said is uh, Rex and Ahsoka are our main characters. Yes. Yeah. And and uh and maybe they weren't when the show started, but they are now. Well, and that makes sense because it bridges from the events of Clone Wars to the events of Rebels, where again right. Ahsoka and Rex right. are kind of your main right. representatives of this era. Well, and also this is their Revenge of the Sith. Yes. Like, Anakin and Obi Wan get and Padme have their Revenge of the Sith. It's happening right now. And quite frankly, who needs Padme when you get Prince Shizor? <laughs> What a, we're not there yet. We're not there well, yet. Sorry. We did get we're the not, but I was so excited about it, I had I know, to say it. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, I was surprised. You know, we got the one hollow of Anakin talking to Padme. And then right after, Obi-Wan, I mean, they make it completely clear that Obi-Wan knows exactly what's happening. Everybody um, knows. I mean, you know, I was surprised they went ahead and went out and did it. But I really liked how they treated Anakin in that first arc. Like you see him slipping more and more, which you didn't... I wish we had gotten even more of that. You know, with him executing the, whatever the spider tech union guy was. Trench, um, trench, trench, yeah. trench. Um, but to be fair, as you guys know certainly better than I do, if you're following all of the media, you do see Anakin's fall detail mm-hmm. a lot more like i the only thing that i've really read was the uh uh the th- him his presence in the last thrawn book which i'm not i'm not to the third one yet but where he ends up destroying this planet 
Yeah. And that's definitely a key part. You know, up to this point, there was an older episode of Clone Wars where he straight up murders, uh, I can't even remember who it is at this point. He's standing behind a guy and he just turns his lightsaber on, pops out of the dude's chest, and you're like, whoa, shit, this is a kid's show. I didn't know we were doing that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember what you're talking about. It's one of those things with uh, Mandalore and Satine and all that. Uh, yeah, I feel like the guy was like an informant or a double agent or something like that, and Anakin's like, all right, well, we're going to take you into justice now, and then boom, something <laughs> along those lines. And and there have been little bits and pieces like that throughout. Uh, but yeah, I also like that they didn't go too hard and heavy into evil Anakin mm-hmm. uh, with this, because it's not what this was about. Yeah. Now, there was one Anakin part that I really disliked, and it was on the bridge. And I want to see if Chad can figure out what it is. Okay, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, on the bridge? On the bridge scene, yeah. Um, uh, didn't even like on the bridge. I don't know. I loved the, the music was great. Um, it was. Uh, so I there, don't know. We'll, we'll bother you on the bridge. There's one moment after Anakin finishes that he does the Luke Skywalker shoulder dust off. Oh, Which oh, immediately okay. All right, all right, all right, all right. Jedi. Yeah, okay, I didn't see that. Right. Okay, I don't associate, I associate that with Jay Z more than I do. <laughs> so didn't really come to me, but um, yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I think they, I think we, I, I wasn't complaining. I think we definitely got enough Anakin. Um, and and, and you're right, they do. It's, I don't even, he's slipping, but to me it's more, they're all just tired. Yes. <laughs> like, this yes. thing's been going on for a long time, they weren't supposed to be doing this, and they're getting tired. And, and what I think Filoni has done, and the whole crew have done, is they've decided that Ahsoka is going to be the lens, through, the lens through which we view the Jedi. And he is probably the strongest, she is the strongest indictment of the Jedi that we've seen. You know, she is kind of a, she, she became our, our way in, and we didn't really think of her that way when the show started. She was the annoying kid sister. But she's since become our kind of entire viewpoint into this, this area of the story, and she's kind of on the right side of this, but she, she sees all the things that, like, we're supposed to feel from the prequels, you know, from the fall of the Republic. She's experiencing that and, and, and understands it in a way that I think maybe the movies didn't. Well, and what's so great about the way the showrunners treat her is, you know, when when she when the Jedi encounter her, they don't come at her with, "Oh, look, it's it's the one that quit. It's the one that's wrong." They they almost acknowledge they her get it. viewpoint. Yoda, Yoda totally gets. Oh, absolutely, and Mace Yoda. Windu, maybe not so much. <laughs> No, Mace is a cock in this. Holy cow! You know, but he always was the most militant one, right? They had Shogun kind of as the militant, yeah, the one that's really ready to fight at all times. It's interesting from a timeline perspective with her too, because like looking at my own son, who I took to see the movie when he was three, you know, he was at that age. He saw the Jedi like Ahsoka did. You know, they're the best. This is amazing. He believes it all. And now, like, we were watching 
I forgot which movie we were watching. You know, he's 15 now, and he's seeing the Clone Wars, and he's like, man, the Jedi suck. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> and at, so this, at this stage, yeah. Yeah, he's, like, grown with that same perspective that she has. But let's let's go let's go back because uh, we didn't talk about the Bad Batch at all. Did we yeah. like the Bad Batch? Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I think uh, that the first two story arcs could have benefited from being one episode shorter. But I mean, if there's one thing I could say about the entirety of the Clone Wars series, it's that most story arcs could have been one episode shorter. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, but I did. I really liked the Bad Batch. I did like the fact that they went back. Uh, again, it shows the care that the storytellers have for the clones and, and for their viewpoint during this conflict that they did go back and they felt the need to tell Echo's story and to give him a resolution. Uh, and the fact that he got a happy, uh, relatively happy ending uh, is even better. Yeah, I, I didn't... I know Chad and Ryan and I have discussed this. I didn't dislike that story arc I knew that we needed to see the clones because we needed to have Rex's character reestablished because Rex and Ahsoka are very, very important together and to each other. I just didn't care enough about all of those other clones to have that much time with them. See, that one, it, it had Cody and it had Rex and it had Jesse. I, um, I mean, like, the, the guys that they introduced. The Bad Batch themselves. Oh, like, mainframe, main, mainframe, roadblock, low light, and flint. See, that's the <laughs> yeah. thing. Is like, <laughs> I, didn't care about I, I loved that because they were they were the tropiest tropes that ever troped out of Tropeville. <laughs> and I was on board a thousand percent for their, like, ridiculously overdone, I'm the tech guy, I'm the shop shooter. Like, I was so into those guys. Yeah. I want to post some it's stuff. A car- it's a cartoon. It's fine. It's what I want. It's a cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> I, it works, too, for Rex, because, you know, Echo is one of those last ones that's part of his core little group. And he's another one that got abused and really damaged. And so it really works for Rex's character later in the season that, besides Ahsoka, everyone that he was close to in his group were completely screwed over by the war. Yeah, well, you get the sense that they are that too, last really. generation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but you do get the sense that they are that first generation of clones is kind of gone. You know, yeah. but that's yeah, kind sure. of the end of them. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I, I, I enjoyed their kind of 18-like antics. Um, the storyline of, like, they've got my tactics was very vague. <laughs> <laughs> and very, and very, very MacGuffin-y, very, uh, very Mandalorian tracking fob type of logic. But, but again, but, as you said, it's a cartoon. It's okay. Yeah, it's a cartoon. It's fine. It's, it's yeah. Fine. It's fine. Like I find it hard to believe that this little group of misfits are really that much more effective than entire battalions of of these trained clones. But that's honestly not even just cartoons. That's just action adventure storytelling. That's oh, video yeah, game yeah. storytelling. I mean, that's that's fine. That's if, the if, basis of GI Joe, right? If you, if you, <laughs> why can a troop cannot do this fight, but a Native American with an eagle can? Right. Like if you can't accept <laughs> that sort of thing, Star Wars might not be the genre of media for you. I need a I need a dude with a parrot and a village people costume immediately <laughs> to stop these terrorists. Right. Right, and he's going to have to sing and dance to do it. Yes, he will. He will. Yes. 
<laughs> get me, get me, Sergeant Slaughter. That first R two really showed off how much they've improved their animation. Oh my god! Oh yeah, shit. this season looked amazing. Last night, our other son, he's just starting the show, so he's in season one. So I kind of walked down here to watch some of it with him. It's rough. It is crazy after watching the finale earlier in the day and then watching part of season one how different it is every time they showed darth maul and how his face looked like a moving painting and to to a lesser extent ahsoka looked the same way but darth maul in particular you could almost see brush strokes in his tattoos and stuff like it was just i want to go back and watch this now that i know the outcome and just take in the visuals. Like, I almost just want to turn the sound off and just look at it, because it, it looks incredible. Mm-hmm. The only thing I would say is I sure do wish they could have used, because they the battle between Ahsoka and Darth Maul later on, uh, and, and listeners, we're just going to jump around, deal with it, uh, was motion captured uh, by Ray Park in the role of Darth Maul. Yep. And it looked... Like, I didn't know that going into that battle. I didn't know that battle was going to happen going into that battle. It looked incredible. And once it was done, I thought, man, imagine if this whole show could have been like that instead of having that awkward, like, when the characters walk, it's like they're walking in hard snow. So, like, they take a a step and then kind of fall down a little bit, which, who cares? It's a style. It's an aesthetic that we're used to at this point. But... My gosh, when when they use the motion capture, it's unbelievable. They did a lot of things in that last arc, though, that they haven't done before. Oh yeah, including, including the motion capture. There's a lot of they deviated from a lot of things in that last arc. I want to see that in a theater very badly. Yeah, yeah. There are places in this season where I literally could not tell the difference between the animation they did for the show and animation that was done for the movie revenge of the sith like the the animation is that good in places where i'm like is that animation or is that movie cgi i i can't even tell yeah there were a few shots from like the opening montage in the first episode where it's catching you up that yeah there were reproductions of shots and that's, um, i almost wondered if they sort of overlaid the clone clone wars art right. on actual right. like, shots from the movie like rotoscope them yeah 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 i don't know yeah, it'd be interesting maybe. to see Hopefully yeah. they'll do a gallery uh, about yeah. this. Yeah, I haven't watched. Have you guys watched the Mandalorian? Movie oh, it's yet? fantastic! Yeah, I need to start it. Oh yeah. man, it delivered. It, I I figured it was going to be like a twenty minute hype piece essentially, but it's it's a full on like Blu Ray special feature, like deep dive thing. Uh, it's wonderful. Excellent. Uh, so Bad Batch. Very cool. We get some cool misfit G.I. Joe style clones. We get Echo's story wrapped up. Uh, lots of action. There is a lot of <laughs> the first two arcs of this season, I feel like are they're almost like old Doctor Who episodes where people just keep getting captured over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or kind of like how Frodo keeps passing out. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, but that first arc, um, really cool, and I felt like it dropped us back into, you know, as much as Clone Wars is about what goes on between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, 
it, it is, uh, to me, it has always been its strongest point is giving us that perspective on the clones. It uses characters like Ahsoka and Anakin and Obi-Wan to do that, but I, I'm always interested in the cost of war, and that's what this show does. When it's at its finest, it's giving us a good look at that, and I thought this, this arc really did the clones a, a good service in that way. Yeah, I also thought it was important because it it helped reacquaint me with specific clones. Um, like, like I know these characters, but you know, just it, it solidified Rex and Cody and Jesse in my mind. Yeah, um, yeah. Going forward, and and I think it was important to introduce at least a couple of those guys because they like said basically we have one story arc, one story arc about Rex, one story arc about Ahsoka, and then one story arc about both of them. So it's kind of they kind of collide, and so I thought giving us a lot of clone stuff, and it is the Clone Wars, and that is one thing, like you said, that is one thing that makes the show special and different from all other Star Wars is the clones, and the point of view of the clones, as opposed to them just being battle droids in different armor that Lucas treated them like, you know, where they were just fodder. Right. And so they're they're characters here, and we care about. Them. Uh, any any final thoughts uh, about this first arc, Ryan or Beth? No, no not, I, mean, I think it was me. good. Yeah, <laughs> it was good. It could have been a little shorter, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm here for the last four episodes. I'll talk. I'll talk it, a lot then. <laughs> the first arc really was just like classic Clone Wars. Like yeah. it didn't feel like a final season kind of arc. It could just be an arc in any season of the Clone Wars, which I think was good for the reintroduction. Yeah, it could have been in season two. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't, have looked, wouldn't have looked as good, but it could have been in season two. Mm-hmm. So. Speaking of tropes, mm-hmm. our second arc gives us if if the Bad Batch were the tropiest tropes ever to trope their way out of Tropesville, the Martez sisters win the trope of the year contest because <laughs> my gosh, they everything and I'm not I'm not saying they were bad, but literally every word of dialogue was completely predictable from these two uh i don't want to be overly negative about this arc because i did enjoy what it told us about ahsoka and her journey but now i'm gonna pass it over to chad who has six pages of notes about this arc (laughs) i i do not but i will say this um i i enjoyed this arc again it's it's one episode too long but it's specifically one episode too long Meaning that the third episode does nothing. Yes, the third episode. You mean does the one nothing. where they get ca- the one where they get captured and escape and then get captured again? That didn't do anything for you. <laughs> Did here's the thing. That's the best episode of the three. It's the most fun, and yet they killed it at the end when they get recaptured. Because you're like, well, what was the fucking point of that? We moved nowhere. But the episode itself, I was like, this is pretty cool. I liked what I liked about. And I actually think that arc is just as important as the first one when it comes to the last one because, yes, it, it tells us a lot about where Ahsoka is. It also gives us this point of view of the Jedi from the, from the people, and this is something that kind of comes into play in these stories is the common person's view of the Jedi and how maybe it's not hard to believe that the people of the galaxy would believe the Jedi turned on the Emperor. 
if these if the people out there don't have the best view of them, if they're seen as these high and mighty people that cause destruction, you know, like superheroes can be, and if you're you know in the boys or something, if they're seen like somebody that has no connection to the normal people, that makes it a lot more palatable. The idea that the people would go like, yeah, fuck the job, fuck them. In fact, in 20 years from now, we're not even gonna tell our kids about them. Like that kind of makes that make sense to me. And so I thought that was very important to give this different angle on the Jedi. It is very similar to the Ahsoka novel. We talked about that on our last episode, that in the Ahsoka novel, she befriends some sisters and kind of works. Yeah, works as a mechanic. So there's there's a little bit of that in there. Uh, I liked Trace uh, quite a bit. I didn't love her sister, but again, you're right. They are cliches. They are they're cliches, but their characterizations were a little different. We haven't seen characters quite like them in Star Wars, but their actions were, you know, pretty pretty easy to predict. And uh, and yeah, if they had just if they had just snipped out that third episode, I think it would work a lot better. But man, I I, I messaged you guys as soon as it was over, so pissed because I was like, what was the point of that? What was the point of a twenty minute chase just to get to recapture it again? Didn't make any so, sense. so that they could show two second clip of uh, some Mandalorians. Duh. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, I do, one thing I did appreciate about this arc was the presence of the Pikes from Solo. That's what this episode did do. I, I we'll get to the the last arc. The last arc has a few Rogue One references, kind of uh, homages, and so I think this second arc was. It's kind of like they were catching up with some of the movies that hadn't come out when the show ended. So the second arc had a lot of kind of solo stuff with Kessel and the Pikes. And the third arc has some, I think, direct Rogue One references. And so so I I did think that was cool that it brought in the Pikes, and it was like, these are things we've learned about the galaxy since we last saw you. Let's use a little bit of it. Do you think anybody at Disney stopped them for a moment and was like, wait, so your arc is about smuggling drugs on the (laughs) (laughs) Jordan Well, I think here's here's the thing though is that at this point spice is so widely accepted as just this sort of Star Wars MacGuffin that I, I honestly don't know that corporate people at Disney even think about what it is. They just hear oh spice like oregano. I don't know, they straight have a conversation about it at that table at one point where they ask if it's for medicine or not, and they're like, eh, not really. <laughs> it's it's called medicinal. It's legal in some gal- it's legal in some systems. <laughs> you get the right license. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I don't think about that when I know the season's going to end with mass murder. So, like, right. the drugs don't bother me as much. <laughs> but uh, but I, I, I do get you mean. There is a thing. But it's also, but it, it's kind of after-school specialist, though, because Ahsoka's like, we can't do that. So, you know, at least our hero bucks against it. Yeah, yeah and, and I don't Tra- think... Trace is the one who dumps it. I mean, she's, she's the yeah. one who's like, no, let's get rid of it. That scene was so painful to watch because it was <laughs> so bad and predictable and illogical. Uh, oof. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. yeah, it was it was kind of dumb. But, but anyway. I, I enjoyed the arc. It's definitely it was it's definitely the weakest arc of the three. It was too long, but I love me some Ahsoka, and I got Ahsoka, and I like just like in the book, I like seeing Ahsoka interact with non Jedi. Right. Yeah, I think and, it's different for us too because we read the books. Like for just somebody yeah. that watches the Clone Wars, 
the last time you saw Ahsoka, she was walking down some steps, and then next time you saw her again, she's Fulcrum. So, you know, it's a good fill-in for that. And the the good thing is that nothing about it, and it's not fair to say that this was bad. It was not bad. I didn't enjoy it as much, but it wasn't bad. But at no point did anything in it drag Ahsoka down, which very often stories that we don't love as much can have a detrimental effect on the primary characters, and this one did not, because all the way through Ahsoka was still the same character we've always known, still true to herself, and at no point was acting in a way that that gave you like cognitive dissonance about what we know about her. And I think that's kind of the important thing, is that we got... It may have gone on a little too long, but at the end of the day, it was still a really good Ahsoka story. And we needed to spend that time with her before we got into the chaos. For sure. Um, you know, we needed to spend a little time to see where she was mentally, you know, that she's still reeling from all of this. We needed to see her, like Ryan said, the last time we saw her was her walking away, if you just watched the show. So you need to see her, what she's like after, the fact that she refuses to call herself a Jedi, the fact that she's hiding her powers, that she's meeting these people that don't like the Jedi, that she's barely getting by, she's riding this shitty speeder and all this stuff. We, you do need to see that stuff before we get into the, you know, the big finale. So at the end of this arc, you know, the previous arc just sort of ended, wrapped its own thing up, and then we started with Ahsoka in the next arc. This arc leads directly into the final one, where uh, at the end of episode 8 we get the Death Watch we get Darth Maul, we get Bo-Katan we like the the last I would say about 8 minutes or so of that episode you're, you're if you were tuned out a little bit before you were back in it how great was Bo-Katan in the series? Oh my gosh she was awesome this season. Katie Sackhoff did a great job. She was awesome. Well, she I I absolutely love everything she does. I even love her on The Flash with her completely insane accent. <laughs> I realize. Um, I I just think she she's one of those actors that is having the best time of her life. She gets it. She appreciates what she does. She loves this genre stuff. And she pours a hundred and twenty percent of herself into into all of her roles. She's she is the best. And the fact she that could, she's in she, Star Wars is so cool. She could help pad me out a little earlier. Eh, whatever. I, I'm going to make Chad really angry right now. Oh no! And and maybe some of the rest of you. I don't know. But I know this is going to piss Chad off. But I think that Bo-Katan is such a better leader for the Mandalorians than Sabine. Because oh, I'm with I, you. she is the shoot first, fuck the questions style leader that I think the Mandalorians need rather than a sassy, graffiti, exploding kid. Well, well, do you know, here's, here's do you know who agrees with you? Sabine. In, <laughs> Sabine, Sabine yeah. in times of peace, Sabine would be a better leader, but in times of conflict, like we're seeing in this show, Bo-Katan is, is the, the obvious choice there's no comparison whatsoever uh, and yes don't get me wrong i love sabine oh she's awesome well, but here's the thing is yes and no because there's a moment in the beginning of the third arc where ahsoka says something about you know bo-katan says something brutal and she's like man you're nothing like your sister but then 
near the end of it, the last time I think she sees Bo-Katan in the story, Bo basically says she was tired of this. Yep. That she wishes yeah. she could rule peacefully. That she, you know, that, that she, you know, that, that, you know, yes, Sabine, or, uh, Sabine, Fa- not Sabine. The teen. Uh, Satine. Those Damn names it. are way too close together. Yeah, they are. Satine, um, uh, had failed, but that maybe there was, you know, not to get Buddhist about it, a middle way, you know, where, where Mandalore could exist in between this total warlike culture and total pacifistic culture. And that's what it felt like Bo-Katan was heading towards, at least Chad, what she was thinking. Chad, um, I think your connection might be a little weird because you're turning into a robot from time to time. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. That okay. could just be Chad. Also, yeah, it also might just be Chad. I am... I am doing the robot. <laughs> well, that's, that's, okay. that's probably your problem yeah, right there. I would also, I would also like to point out that I think it's a crime that we never got a figure of Satine. Yes, I agree. I agree. So, so this arc, I, go ahead. This arc was important. This arc needed to happen. We needed to see. We we had to reconnect with Ahsoka. We had to, and we also had to see. Her perspective on the Jedi, her perspective on the conflict, see her reaction to the common people and what they think of the Jedi. And and what was interesting is she didn't go all out like, oh yeah, look at me, I was right, these people hate Jedi, what's up now? Like, she's still conflicted about everything. She's still just such a, a, a real character with as chad said our viewpoint on everything that's going on we want the jedi to be right but we see that they're not yeah she does too exactly and i think it showed like try as she might she can't stay out of it you know what i mean like yes she can't just stand by and let things happen even though she walked away well that's the burden of a hero mm-hmm. so now this brings us i guess brings us back because we've already talked about it a good bit uh, brings us to the final arc of the final season of Star Wars The Clone Wars and a freaking incredible, what, like, I guess, 90 minutes of television? It's not 90 minutes, yeah. Right around there. To the point where Episode Nine opens with the Lucasfilm logo and the Star Wars theme. It opens with the Lucasfilm Limited logo. Yes. Not even like like the old school Lucasfilm right. limited logo. Yeah. Uh, and there's no for, no fortune cookie either. Very 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 clearly. All right, guys, it's time to get serious. Strap. Well, it's in. also we started with a movie. We're going to end with a movie. Yes, and and again, and there this, and there are similarities between these. This, I, I if I had to bet money. I would say in some way, shape, or form, these final four episodes will be released cut together uh-huh. because it really kind of infuriated me that I had to sit and watch credits each time when it was clearly one ongoing story. Um, they, they have to. I don't care if they put it out on Blu-ray. I don't care if they put it on Disney+, Plus. whatever the case may be. I need to see this as the feature that it was clearly intended to be. And it's actually... Part one, part two, part three, and part four. Yeah, no, no little fortune cookie things at the beginning. Right. Um, no, it has the narration, but just at the beginning of the first one, right? Or do they all have the narration? I 
Did it even just have the narration one, at the first one? I think it's just just the first one. Yeah, the first, the first one. Yeah, the I first one. I just narration. watched the last one again today, and I don't remember it. Yeah. I watched all four in a row last night, and it it honestly it didn't really bother me that there were pauses in between. That was like, okay, I'm going to go to the bathroom, and when I come back, the next episode will be on. Yeah, but I, I'd like to see them just cut together because I feel like that that's the way they were meant to be. I want to watch this 90 minutes, 4K, 65 inches in my basement. (laughs) Like, I want to watch that. I want to see it as a movie. Absolutely. Uh, So we open up with, well, let's, going into this, the final one, because what happened to me, I I am not as on top of this stuff as you guys are. I was playing catch-up, and episode 8 ended... And I had watched, I think, three or maybe even four in a row, and I got to episode eight, and it ended, and then the Clone Wars movie started playing, and I was like, wait, what? What is right. for It took me a minute to realize that that is what happened, because actually the beginning of nine is kind of similar to the opening of the Clone Wars movie. So uh, it's like it's inten- intentionally with this planet I, I, that they're on. Right, yeah. right. So I was like, wait, was that it? It was only eight episodes, and then we ended with Ahsoka's weird sister story thing? I didn't realize that, because I, I thought it was done by the time I started watching. I didn't realize there were four more episodes to come. So I was yeah. disappointed initially, and then I went and did a little research, and I was like, okay, we get our final four in here. Uh, going into this, uh, we knew Order 66 was going to tie into this, but I... I I certainly didn't know how directly some of the events of Revenge of the Sith would end up tying into this arc. Were you guys surprised by some of the direct references, or did you feel like, well, they they were going to have to do this. This doesn't surprise me a bit. I mean, what's odd, I hate to keep going back to it, but like in the Ahsoka book, it kind of tells you a little bit. We're really just pressuring you guys to listen to our podcast. Yeah. (laughs) And so, like, you kind of knew Darth Maul, there was going to be, Order 66 would happen and Darth Maul would get out, and that's kind of what they said. And Obi-Wan and Anakin got called away. But then, yeah, I was surprised how much all of a sudden it became Revenge of the Sith and how more in-depth it was as to what happened. Yeah, and, and it was important, you know, in retrospect now, it's important that they do that because that was a galactic war there was no way the events wouldn't be felt in the story that we were watching uh and i'm glad that they embraced it and i'm glad that they went all out and i'm and and the fact that they actually used dialogue from revenge of the sith later on uh i i didn't i didn't even realize this watching it but they they literally used dialogue from the movie uh in those recordings that we were talking about before I knew where we were going and where we would end up. What I didn't realize was how we were going to get there. The the mall arc, like I knew he was going to be the bad guy because of the Ahsoka book, but I didn't know how he was going to be portrayed and how important he would be and how great a story they would write for him to where he foresees what's going to happen. Like, he just nails it, and if somebody had listened to him, maybe things would have gone down differently. I I didn't see that coming at all. Well, and I also liked that he's a bit of an agent of chaos because he he has this information, 
but he doesn't just ever sit down and tell anybody like look this guy's actually an evil sith lord and this is his plan and this is like he kind of parses it out a little bit of a time it almost seems like for his own amusement he's also he's also scared of palpatine still well he's also he, scared he, of palpatine he's, he's also a little he, crazy he, 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 he is but he also he also thinks that it's already done i mean he he's just like it's already it's already done Right now, it's a matter of what we're gonna. Right now, it's just a matter of what we're gonna do after. Right, right. But it's already done. Real quick, show of hands, and I'm gonna raise mine. How many people thought bringing Maul back was stupid? Initially. Yeah. Oh yeah, I thought it was stupid. Initially, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, now it's fucking awesome, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> I, I would have, I would have said no. Yeah. I didn't. Uh, I never had a problem with it, but it was because we got a really cool toy design out of it. So I, I was okay with it. I was fine well, with when it. When he when he first shows up and he he's like, "Oh, I was expecting Obi Wan." I'm just like, "Oh my god, can you just let it go?" But he can't just because Obi Wan cut him in half. Well, he was kind of asking for it. It's not well, like Maul was just an innocent bystander. He had the high ground. If somebody, it not have if somebody cut me in half, I would hold a grudge. Oh. Spoilers. But it, it turns out it's not entirely about Obi Wan. So I, I appreciate that they took some of that away and made it yes. a little less about Obi Wan. And oh wait, I want Obi Wan, but I was hoping he would bring Anakin too. Yeah. And yeah. also, I'm going to get revenge on that dick who cut me in half. And I like, and also, I really would have liked if Obi Wan to come too. I, like I really the love the parallel between Maul and Ahsoka. Like, especially that one conversation when they have, where they're basically like, yep, we were both thrown away by yeah. our respective parties. Um, the apprentices. Yeah. I like you know, the sense the... that Maul gets a little bit of delight out of sort of prodding Ahsoka and, and letting her know that, you know, her heroes are are not all they're cracked up to be, and and that this Anakin, like, you can almost see it, and the animation is so good with the characterizations in this, the facial expressions, everything. You can see in his face that he's enjoying sort of verbally torturing her with with these ideas that that she doesn't want to, to hear or believe. The thing is, she does believe it. She's with him until he mentions Anakin. Yeah. She can. She will. She. She actually. It doesn't really get to her. She's kind of like, yeah. yeah that's what I'm talking about. Is the yeah, Anakin, so because that's when yeah. his eyes light up. Is when he yeah. sees how she reacts to that. And that's when he done fucked up. <laughs> right. Right. That's when it starts. That's yeah, that's she, when one of yeah. the best lightsaber duels in the saga happens. Any any medium doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter where. Doesn't matter when. Amazing. And I love that later on. Uh, when she releases him and and this is where they get really fun because they know what we're expecting and she says i didn't let you go for a team up i let you go as a distraction yeah Yeah, i'm I'm not rooting for you right there are a lot of logical inconsistencies in this that final sequence but we'll get to those in a minute because i think we've probably got a few more things to discuss uh she also has a in the duel she has a great line where he says she's arrogant like kenobi and he says, "I'll find you'll find I have many qualities for which you will dislike, or for you to dislike." I thought yeah. she was she was real sharp. She had some really good lines in this series. Like, she was she, pretty. She's bad been hanging it. out with the Quip Master for a long time. It's true. It's true. Obi Wan's kind of worn off on her. Um, before we get too further, one thing I would like to mention real fast is the music. Um, 
because we skipped by uh, in the first episode there was the amazing sequence where Ahsoka chases Rex uh, to the surface of Mandalore um, which is a really fun sequence but Kevin Kiner who's done the music for all of this and for Rebels when the movie came out when the Clone Wars movie came out I hated the music hated it I did it was too. a depart- it was a departure it didn't feel like Star Wars but over the years it's got it's a combination of me getting used to it and it getting better but these last four episodes he fucking nailed so well that it's probably my favorite Star Wars music in years I and, there was there was a scene towards the end where the music almost dipped into like Mark Mothersbaugh synth territory yeah and it hit me I was like this is incredible but I would have hated it, you know, 13 years ago. Well, the other thing I wanted to bring up is that one of the things he also did was he was really good at using John Williams themes in this one. Um, during Rex's, he, I mean, one, it starts with the opening fanfare, but then during Rex's attack on the bridge, he uses like the original, the uh, title music. When Anakin gives uh, uh, a her lightsabers back, he uses a, a little bit of Yoda's theme, which can also, I think, in this context, be like a teacher's theme, like a, a you know master. Um, when Anakin walks away, he plays Anakin's theme from the Phantom Menace. When they race to the bottom, he plays the Force theme, kind of the adventure variant of the Force theme. It's kind of funny. He does not give us Duel of the Fates, but he teases it. Uh, yeah, I just kept it. waiting for it. Like, I'd like start to hear the beginning, like, here it comes, here it comes, and yeah. then... <laughs> But what's funny, though, is when he first starts to fight with Ahsoka, their little clash in the sewer, it starts to play it, and then it stops when, when Maul says, not yet, and leaves. It's really, it's like a musical tease to go along with the tease in the show, where he starts to give you a little bit. Um, and then uh, and then the big one, when Ahsoka's fighting the clones, it plays Anakin's Dark Deeds, which is the track from Revenge of the Sith that was during Anakin's, during the Purge. So I thought he did a really great job of wrapping in all these John Williams themes while also creating a whole bunch of new original great music on his own. So I just wanted to, before we go too far, point out that um, Kevin Kiner deserves an Emmy for his work on this. This is some of the best Star Wars music I have heard since, I don't know, the 80s. Like, it's really phenomenal. But, and and in my opinion, he's actually the MVP of these final four episodes. So, but... uh, if we're handing out episodes or uh, awards for these episodes, I, I honestly think Sam Witwer and Ashley Eckstein were fucking amazing. Yeah, they were. They were so good, and Witwer's always been good as Maul, and Ashley Eckstein's always been good as Ahsoka, but they fucking nailed it. Witwer was so fucking. Good. Sam Witwer is unfairly good at everything. Yeah, even as the well, worst. Luckily, he's version, not good looking. Luckily, he's ugly. Even, even, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even as the worst version of Doomsday ever committed to screen, <laughs> he was still great. Yeah, he's he's. Uh, you're you're right, but they're they're both they both kill it in the in these final episodes. They're fantastic. You know, when you and you bring up Ashley Eckstein, and I want to touch on something here because if you watched. Uh, there are a lot of interviews with Dave Filoni on YouTube right now, and I recommend everybody go check them out because there's some really interesting information to be found. Uh, one, that he gives his blessing to the name Baby Yoda 
He says, <laughs> son, son, I'm out, I'm out. He says, I don't think he has a choice, does he? He says, well, what else are you going to call him? <laughs> that's his, that's his uh, acceptance of the Baby Yoda moniker. Uh, Breaking my heart, Dave. But what also came up uh, when asked about the Mandalorian, he said, obviously, I can't really talk about that. And the interviewer said, you know, there are rumors about a live-action Ahsoka. Now, I thought it had been confirmed that Rosario Dawson was going to be portraying Ahsoka on the Mandalorian. Is that not? It is not. See, I, um, I thought it was a, a done deal. I mean, everybody seems to know it, and it's been reported, but it's not been confirmed by Disney. Okay, it's okay. kind of like that new uh, Disney Plus show the Headland is making. Like right, everybody's right. known about it for two weeks, but it wasn't actually confirmed until yesterday. Kinda Disney like, hasn't confirmed it. Dawson hasn't confirmed it. Um, yeah, Eckstein's been asked about it on Instagram and stuff, and she's been pretty diplomatic about it. So, uh, and, and to bring up actually Eckstein real quick, yesterday. She wrote a children's golden book called uh, I'm a Padawan, which is from Ahsoka, the little golden book. And she did a live reading on Instagram yesterday, uh, the book that my girls really enjoyed. That and it sounds adorable. And it's really cool. And her mom was with her. It was really sweet. But it, it was the girl, because I've gotten my girls kind of hooked on Ahsoka, which makes me very happy. And the instant she was talking and then she kicked in her Ahsoka voice to do the reading, because it's a little different, and they were their eyes lit up. They were like, oh, it was really sweet. Do, do you think the reason your children beat you up all the time is because you mm-hmm. push them a little hard into the Ahsoka thing? I, I do not push them at all. <laughs> I do not buy them Star Wars stuff. So they, they, they kind of come to it on their own. They come and watch stuff with me, and they're like, who's that? And they ask. So I don't push them. Well, where... uh, I, I have an Ahsoka shirt. My six-year-old daughter does not. Well, I want the, uh, the Ahsoka clone trooper helmet hoodie that Filoni had oh. on in one of the interviews. Yeah. Well, that's, the one I that you seen... posted on Facebook? Yes, yes. Yes. That's, that's a good thing. When, when, when she saw the 501st and they all painted up their helmets. Oh, God. So, weird up a little bit. What, where I was going with that is, to, to my eyes, and, and obviously they're influenced by this rumor, Ahsoka looks exactly like Rosario Dawson in this final season. I noticed that too, and I couldn't figure out if it was like me just trying to like reconcile right. the two in my right, head, right. or if that was a purposeful thing. I but think I it's really interesting. I, I didn't notice yeah. it, so yeah. maybe it's a mental thing. Uh, I just, the way that she—I uh, mean, obviously the shape of her face, her lips, her nose, her eyes, the way that she moved, everything. But but like you said, Ryan, maybe we're just projecting that. Yeah. So I, I, I already thought she kind of did. I mean, I, I you know that was the, so. I guess yeah, she did look like her to me. But I always thought they. I mean, Rosario's been petitioning for this role. Like this isn't just some random rumor. She's wanted to play this part. So I don't know. I thought it was. Uh, I don't know how intentional it was. But we asked the question at the beginning how this came about. Maybe it does have something to do with that. You know, maybe this is a rev up for her coming in. You know, on, into live action. So we have direct reference to Obi-Wan and Anakin's activities throughout this story arc. Uh, And there is a point where Grievous, it's mentioned that Obi-Wan has tracked Grievous to Utapal. And she says, oh, so that means this war is almost over. And there was 
the way that they animated her face, the hope in her voice was just heartbreaking because we all know, yes, the war is almost over. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is important to to point out in that context that Ahsoka's not perfect. She she refuses to believe the truth about Anakin. And her attachment to him, to use the uh, you know, Jedi no no word, clouds her judgment. As far as you know, she's ready to listen to him all until listen to Maul until he says that word. Right. Until he blames Anakin. Right. And she does she believes in him up until the very moment she feels him turn. Yeah, she believes until... in him so much that she trusts Palpatine. I'm sorry, Sheev. Sheev, there you go. There all you go. the other Jedi who are like, uh, something's up with him. And she's like, no, no, he's Anakin's friend. So if Anakin says he's good, he's good. And that yeah. scene was brutal. Uh, the the scene of, of Anakin uh, joining Sidious and murdering Mace Windu. All right, I, yeah. let, me, let me take that back cutting off Windu's hands and throwing him out the window. We don't know that he's dead. <laughs> That's true. Maybe, maybe he'll come back. He'll if come back. Darth Maul can survive getting cut in half, and if if yeah. Sheev can come back 30-some-odd years later, Mace Windu is probably still out there somewhere. Can we all agree, though, how awful Mace Windu is? Like, oh, he's God. He's what are you talking about, civilian? <laughs> yeah, I wanted was, him to be dead after oh, that. Oh, that like, was you rough. Were a dick. Yeah, he's just terrible. But it made me really want, like, if Marvel would do like a what if Star Wars comic of like, what if Mace Windu had cut the Emperor's head off and taken over the Senate? Like, I had this whole story in my head that I'm like <laughs> thinking about. God, he's awful. Just the way he treats <laughs> her and. And then Yoda's looking at her with his little puppy dog eyes. Oh, like, I know. Is there anything else you want to tell us, Ahsoka? I know we're all doomed. <laughs> Animated Yoda is just too adorable. He is. He is. He was very... Yeah, I thought I, I thought that moment was well done because, to me, when they used the dialogue... Now, they used the dialogue from Revenge of the Sith, but apparently they also um, blended Matt Lanter's voice with Hayden Christensen's a little bit. So it's kind of both their voices. Okay. And that's why it didn't feel so jarring. Okay. Yeah. What I took from it though was that she wasn't hearing those words. She was feeling the actions. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I agree. Yeah. It, but it was but it was a clever way to show to let us know what she was feeling because they weren't gonna cut away and show it. Yeah. So she, by having the words there, we could we could feel that's what she's feeling. And I thought it was really powerful and um and in the moment we've been, you know, now if you watch Rebels, of course, we already know the moment where Ahsoka finds out that Anakin is Vader. And it's fucking heartbreaking. But this, that moment is just, this moment is a good, it sets that, that moment up well, you know, where she's just, it's, it's devastating. And, and I also noticed in the episode right before it, it's very quiet. None of the clones say anything when they're in the ship. Oh, you know, there's, there's to happen. a solid at least 90 seconds of no dialogue whatsoever. Yeah. Which is a lot like in Revenge of the Sith in those kind of that the moments were right before Mace goes to the Senate where Padme is looking out the window and Anakin's yes. looking out the window and the movie gets kind of quiet and spooky yes. sounded or on Star Wars-y. It was kind of a parallel to that to me. 
The only question this that part brought up for me was, okay, so it seems like uh, Rex is being given Order 66 almost instantaneously while Ahsoka is feeling Anakin's turn. And those don't happen at the same time. Is there like a hyperspace delay with the Force? Or so what should we talk about? Seconds. Yeah. Time doesn't exist in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're in hyperspace. You're right. Palpatine basically stands up, dusts his robes off, and gives the order. Well, gives his order. He stands up, dusts his robes off, uh, straightens up his prune face. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, no. Pulls... Prune, prune face is a different character. <laughs> That's right. Prune face. And um, and then he dubs Vader. Right. Right. And then he actually. So it's probably a minute. Yeah, I mean it's it's you know? pretty close. She walks. She walks real slow. It feels <laughs> like they're happening at the exact same time, though. Yeah. I, that was my only thing. Was like, yeah. wait, what? Yeah, the order doesn't come down until she walks back to him. Um, but yeah, I now I don't mind this at all. But in Rebels, Rex said that he cut his chip out right. and never portrayed his Jedi. I kind of like that he's kind of lying. <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> mind. Or... Well, He's had his brain cut into by a wacky astromech droid using a medical <laughs> device. And maybe eh, he's not totally true. cognizant of what happened. Yeah. What I did like was that he does kind of hesitate, though. Like, you, his gun is shaking, and you, you yeah, can tell, he's like, it. he's trying to fight it. Yeah. When he drops the helmet, when he drops the helmet. Because yeah. he, he's trying to fight it in a way the others aren't, because he has the knowledge from what happened to Fives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he has just a little bit of a head start on them. And, we jar- and by the way, this last two episodes showed us Rex crying twice, and I'm not okay with that. No, yeah. that, that, that was that was rough. It was it was it was really rough, and it was it was beautiful. But Rex crying, Jesus. Going along with that, so we get to Order sixty six. We get to Ahsoka uh, first recruiting these these valiant little astromechs who all get fucking slaughtered. Yeah, they really do. And they bring back, uh, what's his name, RX, RX-7 from way back in the show. Yep. The orange the... and green one. Yeah. They had, a little, they had someone who was the same model as Chopper, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, with and the little can arms. And can I just say, Star Wars, like no other entity that I've ever seen, can make me care about a fancy rolling trash can. <laughs> like, there is nothing else in the world that could make a trash can so lovable and charismatic and charming and an actual character that I care about and I am upset when they get blasted. Well, and and Star Wars wears its droid murder on its sleeve because as soon as she recruited them, you were like, oh, they're going to die. We know well, we know so how cute. droids help. How we know how droids that help our how non main character droids like C three PO and R two D two. We know what happens to droids that help our our heroes. Well, L three K two S O. It didn't work out right. too well for them either. Exactly. Um, I, I it was kind of not in a bad way, but it was kind of a cheat because you can't kill Ahsoka, you can't kill Rex. Right. So you put some some quote unquote people on their team. That you get off to create some danger. It's a surprise. You know, those those droids got weakened. Oh, they get you know, they got they got thrashed. <laughs> like they got really thrashed, almost shockingly. But it was partially like so you could have losses on the good guy side. Yeah. 
Um, but it was it was it was it was cute. So during but, this whole this whole sequence, uh, Ahsoka more even more so than Rex is determined that she's not going to uh, cause any deaths. What was and I get the sentiment and I appreciate the sentiment, but they're on a ship that's hurtling towards its doom. All of the escape pods have been destroyed. Like, these guys are going to die no matter what. You can either die with them or you don't. Well, what made me laugh is, like, right after that, she's like, I'm not going to cause any deaths, and then starts opening doors underneath them, and they drop, like, 30 feet. <laughs> it's a cartoon. What, what, what she was, happening there? She was like, this wouldn't kill Bugs Bunny, so it's not no. going to kill these guys. They're close. They have strong knees. They've been reinforced. They're fine. They're fine. They're, fine. they're, they're, they're in armor. I will go you one better, though, when she says she doesn't want to take any lives, then, but she lets Maul loose. And Knowing. Maul has no problem right. taking lives because he gets himself a Vader in Rogue One sequence. And that's well, exactly she... what I was getting ready to yeah. say. Yeah. She seems to think that without a lightsaber, he can't do anything. And obviously that is not the case. Well, I don't think she thinks that. And I think yeah. it's just another example of her having depth of character. Yeah, I don't think, I, as a grown audience, I don't think... We are meant to think that Ahsoka believes there won't be deaths. I think she knows exactly what she's doing, but she is doing her best to not take lives. And it's also like she, and even if it's a mistake, good. Let our characters make mistakes. Right. Yes. She has a very hard decision to make. Right. She's in. She's in a an impossible situation. And so she decides to do this thing that, yes, she's launching, she's unleashing Maul onto these troopers who are her, her friends, but what are, what are her choices? She decides to make a very hard call, one that goes against, that bends her morals, but it's a very hard call. And then at the end, Rex even says when she goes, you know, I let Maul go, and Rex is kind of, you know, she's like, it was a diversion, and Rex is like, that's one word for it. Like, yeah. Rex wasn't too happy with it, that yeah. he had, she had let Maul loose on the people. You know, she's making some morally compromised decisions, but that's what happens when you're in an impossible situation. Your morals can't always win the day. So, but but you're right. It does get. A, I was a little when Rex is shooting people with stun, <laughs> right. and I was like, sure, yeah. okay. You know. They're gonna kill you if you don't kill them. But okay, let's stun them. Let's and, be nice, and, and, and they can be unconscious when they crash into the planet. Right. They're all going to die anyway. <laughs> As we saw in the, uh, wow, the the incredibly powerful scene of all of the helmets on the stakes, you know, once they're planet side. How okay. cool was the, real quick, how cool was that shot of the venerator getting pulled out of hyperspace? Oh, unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Oh, when it's ripped out of hyperspace and the pieces are falling off of it? Oh, falling off and blowing oh. up and giant pieces are, are falling away. Gorgeous. Just gorgeous. Oh, it was like, I've wanted to see that image for a long time, like of a, a ship getting jerked out of hyperspace like that. And even though we know Rex and Ahsoka survive, they manage to create incredible tension as they're escaping the ship. You know, Maul gets in the shuttle and takes off. She has to let him go or else Rex is going to die. Uh, you know, what's going to happen? And this is where... For me, this is the kind of storytelling 
you know, when people say, I don't want a prequel, I don't want this or that, because I know how it's going to end. Well, I knew how this was going to end, but the journey to get there is what was interesting to me, and the storytellers were so good that I got caught up in it, despite the fact that I know Ahsoka and Rex survive. I've seen them. But this was done so well, you know, that to me is why we do prequels. That to me is why we do these stories that take place in between events that we've already seen, because good storytellers can pull things out of that that will still engross you in what's going on and will give you a deeper and better look at characters that you already have an affinity for. So, like, dismissing things like that is just stupid to me. It's not understanding storytelling. I still get worried every time I watch Apollo 13. Right. As as long as it's told well. Yes. That's what matters. And actually, Alex on uh, Star Wars Explained on the YouTube channel, he had the same point. He said, to me, this is proof that you can make a good prequel, (laughs) that you can make a good story. He's like, because I still, you know, he's the same thing. He's like, because I was still on the edge of my seat the entire time. Yes. And it's not about what, it's about how and, and how it affects the people. When they got to that ship... Rex hops in, and then the hangar just blows out, and Ahsoka's in free fall. I was, I was on the edge of my seat. I was like, "What is going on? How is this happening? What's going to happen?" And then we get this great, like, straight out of a video game sequence of her, like, landing on parts of the ship and running and dodging stuff, jumping back off. Uh, it, it was great. I, I was almost the... waiting for like a quick time action where I would have to hit a button. <laughs> yes, <somewhere>. yes, <laughs> absolutely. You had to hit triangle for her to. Dodge under the thing, yeah. Well, it was uh, cool it felt like it was... Force Unleashed. Yeah, so did some yeah. of the balls. Some of the ball sequences felt felt like Force Unleashed too. Yes, mm-hmm. when he, him using his Force powers, uh, going down the corridors, fighting the clones was. Or the, when he pulled out the hyperdrive. Yes. Like, um, I thought that definitely felt that way. Yeah, I, I thought I actually thought it was interesting that the first episode of the arc had Ahsoka and Rex racing to the surface, and then this sequence with the Y wing was kind of a similar type situation where Silk is jumping from ship to ship. So it's kind of a little bookend to their adventure. You know, this is how they got here. This is how they're leaving. To, to go back real quick to Maul pulling out the hyperdrive, I was definitely mashing the X button the whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got to tap it real fast. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you got to fill up that, meat, fill up that meter. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so that brings us to the uh, ship crashing on the planet, uh, Ahsoka and Rex having oh. their memorial service for these clones that who were trying to murder them but were also their brothers and just really powerful when when she dropped that lightsaber it had to happen but i was still like no i felt that thump in my chest when it hit the ground yes uh, well even and- though even i knew it was gonna happen well and what was so powerful is we had spent these last episodes with her sort of finding her place in things again and maybe not becoming a Jedi but but realizing that the galaxy needed her and she opens the door she couldn't just walk away and then it ends with her saying yeah this is all fucked forget this thing I'm out well when she but when one of the conference calls she was on the one of them either Mace or conference calls webinar was it on were they on zoom when they're on zoom right (laughs) And they're talking. One of them says something about, "But you're not doing this as a Jedi." And she says, "Not yet." 
Yes, right, right, but right. But she even was th- left the door, like, almost to her, to her, it's like, at this point in the story, it's still kind of not real to her. It's still maybe kind of temporary. Yeah. And you know, so that was Yoda saying that to her, though, yeah. so... Puppy so maybe, she, maybe she's just trying not to hurt his feelings. But, <laughs> but there is a sense of, like, but maybe, you know, until the events of this, that there is an element of her that'll be like, you know, maybe I'm just going through a phase. <laughs> You know, maybe I'll come back. Maybe she has to do what the was it the Amish do, where they go off and fuck for a year and right. then decide if they want to come back. Room, you know, maybe, room Springer. Right. Yeah. Maybe she has to have like a. You know, maybe she's there's there's at least a part of her I think that is holding on to the idea that she could come back. Yeah. Or that and, maybe when the war is over, it will be different. The Jedi right. will go back to yes. being the Jedi and not the generals. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. After this memorial service, we cut to what is basically a celebration, a celebration of the 40th anniversary of The Empire Strikes Back. Yes, yes, we go by... We um, have a lot of merchandise tie-ins. Naboo and um, Jar Jar sitting on top of the castle yelling. You can, you and... can head to your local store right now and purchase Imperial probe droids and all <laughs> yeah. kinds of Hoth stuff. It was a great cut, though, because it cuts it from there to a clearly Imperial-era shuttle. Mm-hmm. It's not the Theta shuttle, it's the Lambda shuttle. Yeah. And, and yeah. again, the landscape that they're showing, because now this planet that they crashed on, is, is uh, it's, it's winter. It has seasons! It has seasons! Why wouldn't you wait until the winter of some planet to go visit it? You know, why wait till spring? Because he's been busy murdering kids. True. <laughs> he didn't get... That's true. We don't. We don't know how long this has been. Yeah, right. it could have been years. Yeah, could have been but years. Again, someone why, discovered why the wreck. go in the winter? Because they just found the wreck. Uh, Maybe the planet is sad. But we so get these <laughs> these gorgeous landscapes that look like paintings in motion. Yeah, uh, and, or uh, snowscapes, I guess. And yeah, stormtroopers, stormtroopers. Yes, snowtroopers, oh. stormtroopers, imperial probe droids. Uh, all all your Hoth goodies in one place. And were those then... stormtroopers? Before we get to him, mm-hmm. were they as jarring to you as they were to me to see them? Oh yeah, like yeah. I mean, I knew they were stormtroopers. Like there wasn't a surprise, but seeing that design well, on Clone Wars, seeing the, like, whole last, like, yeah. the whole last two minutes was like that. Yeah, yeah. seeing the Hoth troopers w- was when they like seeing them from behind. I was like, whoa, are those just straight up snow troopers? And then they turn around, and you're like. Whoa, those are straight-up snowtroopers. Because we have seven years of the Republic, and while we don't watch it fall on screen in this show, it falls, right. or it becomes the Empire. And so it is very startling to then make this cut, and we're in classic Star Wars um, aesthetic. And, and with you that know? comes... With the, and with that, yeah. Lord Vader on the snow planet, walking around, just walking around, what's up, yo? I'm well, he here. was in the shuttle. I'm guessing he was in the shuttle. Yeah. yeah. I'm here because I heard somebody dropped a lightsaber. I'm going to check it out. <laughs> and we get this incredible scene that I, I captured as I was watching it. And I sent Chad a message and I said, yeah. is it too much of a spoiler if I make this my cover image right now? And he was like, <laughs> he was like yes, I think so. And I said, well, I, the fact that I had to ask really should have clued me in on that. Uh <laughs> Do you know how it got spoiled for a lot of people? Probably io9. Merch. 
Oh, There's really? All already uh, merch that it's going to come out with that design. Oh, okay. And it got leaked like two or three days before. Oh. The him, him standing in front of the ship looked like a photograph. It was incredible. Yeah, it was gorgeous. It was unbelievable. I wanted a whole show that and, was just in that like you know square mile. And I, how good it looked. I loved because if if you remember in Rebels when Ahsoka confronted Vader you could actually see Anakin's eyes through yeah. those red lenses, and they did it again here. When he looks up yeah. in the sky, you get just for a second, you can see his left eye behind that lens, and that is just, it tore my heart apart. Because this, this was the Anakin that we've cared about for the last however many years. This wasn't yeah. Hayden Christensen's, no! <laughs> this was our this was our guy our sky guy and our lead, yeah our and the guy who was on front center on the poster like you, right. you know as much as it ended up being a soka story it started off anakin's story and obi-wan's story and yeah to have that that was the thing like ryan's talking about how shocking it was to have vader on clone wars felt transgressive mm-hmm. it felt it felt wrong it felt yeah. undeniably sad <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you're right, seven years of an Anakin that we really like. Well, but, you know, seven seven seasons, but yeah. 13 years. That's true. That's which, true. think yeah. about how crazy this is. Clone Wars' lifespan is almost as long as the span between Return of the Jedi and Phantom Menace. Yeah. It's only by a couple of years. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, really no, wild. it's... I, yeah, I saw it's... one of those interviews where Filoni was talking about um, people growing up with the Clone Wars, like probably like your kids, Ryan. And I was like, wait, I was in my early 30s when this started. Should I not? Was I not supposed to be watching this? Did I, I do something kids, wrong? I sent my kids a gif last or a meme last night of, I found that was like the first panel is like, you know that that show, that Clone Wars cartoon is just for children. And then the second was just blocked. And I was like, yep, have fun, kids. Just just like <laughs> Wu-Tang, Clone Wars is for the kids. It is. Uh, yeah, all right. with, with all the death and the droid murder. Um, one, one point, one thing that changed, it was a little controversial, Ryan probably knows a little bit about this, was that in the book, Ahsoka's lightsabers were described as green. Mm-hmm. And on the show, her lightsabers were, were always green. But when Anakin gives her her lightsabers back, he said he had made some improvements, which basically mean which he turned to blue, and also means he made them more like his, right? And so at the end, when Vader picks up the lightsaber and turns it on, and it's blue. First of all, we're watching Darth Vader holding a blue lightsaber, but also the fact that he, it isn't just some lightsaber; it isn't just Ahsoka's lightsaber. It's a lightsaber that he worked on, of someone he loved and cared about, and. He put himself into that lightsaber, you know, like he 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 made it more like his for her because of how proud he was of her, and so it's just so unbelievably tragic to see him holding that lightsaber like that, considering all the it, it, it it's just I don't know it's 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 a stunning moment it's it's really beautiful. So to wrap this thing up because we have to now, yep. Uh, final thoughts on. You know this this series in its entirety. I think we've we've discussed it fairly well over the course of this episode. But let's start with Brian. Overall, satisfied with Clone Wars. Uh, what what will be the rewatch rate you th- be you know for the rest of your life? 
uh, just sort of general final thoughts about this season and about the series. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody knows in the beginning there was a lot of pushback again. That you know, I've talked about seeing the movie in the theater hungover and how much I hated it. Um, but it's amazing how good this show got, and really for a kids' cartoon, how complex the issues about war and soldiers um, really got to be. And uh, there was a scene we didn't really talk about, but it's on the second to last episode where Rex and Ahsoka are standing on the bridge and talk about what happens now. You know, that the clones only existed for war. And those are some really deep issues that the movies never even got into. Um, I think it's got a really high rewatchability value. I mean, I definitely think I'll watch it again. Um, You know, this season, besides the middle arc being an episode too long, and I thought the Siege of Mandalore was a little short. I wish... I don't know. I always thought that was going to be a bigger thing. But those four last four episodes made it all worth it. Beth, what about you? Uh, final thoughts about the season and the show? Uh, I agree with Ryan on the Siege of Mandalore. Given what we know about the Mandalorian, I kind of thought there would be more to it, but I assume that you know they're going to save that for that show. Uh, I went back and rewatched a lot of Clone Wars stuff before this season started that I hadn't seen in you know, probably 12 or 13 years. And it is still absolutely watchable. And I think asking people to pick up every piece of Star Wars media out there in the world is asking too much. But if you only have watched the movies and you don't watch the Clone Wars, you are doing yourself a disservice as a Star Wars fan because it is amazing and it only adds to it and makes it better. I would agree. I think out of all of the so-called expanded universe, you know, things beyond the films that are available, I think that Clone Wars is a piece that's very rewarding to go along with it and that if you're going to get into sort of the secondary support media, it's it's probably the one that I would recommend the most. Yeah, and I, I'm not going to tell people not to watch Rebels and not go pick up a book or a comic or anything, but... If you're going to pick one thing to get on with, this this is the great place to go. And Chad, you're on the clock. Yes, sir. I'm kind of rewatching it now. A friend of mine is watching it for the first time, and so I'm getting texts from him. And he's having kind of the same experience where he's like, I like this Anakin. I'm like, I know, right? <laughs> so that's been kind of fun. I love the last season. Beth said it earlier, I think the last four episodes are one of the greatest Star Wars stories ever told. Like, top five. I I think the level of competence, the emotional output, the action was phenomenal, but the characters were... I just think that last, that last hour and a half is some of the best Star Wars storytelling of all time. I consider Rebels and Clone Wars kind of just one big thing. Yeah. So I wouldn't recommend Clone Wars over Rebels. I would just say watch those two shows, especially since now that we have kind of Clone Wars wrapped up in this way with Ahsoka's story, man, that's going to be real rewarding, rewarding when she shows up at the end of Rebel Season 1 for people. I mean, it was for us, you know, and I think now it's even more so. Um, so I will definitely be watching certain episodes of the show forever, 
and I will definitely I've, I've already watched a lot the last couple episodes of this season three or four times and uh, I, I think it's a you know we've said it before I'll say it again Dave Filoni is the second most important storyteller in the history of Star Wars and he just proved again why and uh, yeah it's a great show and one of the great accomplishments in Star Wars history if you can call it that I agree 100%. I don't think I really have a whole heck of a lot to add to what you guys said. Uh, I just want to thank you for coming on, talking about this final season of Clone Wars. And uh, one of you put over the show, execute Chapter 66. I know Ahsoka ended up coming a little early to tie in with everything that's going on, but do you, is there another episode right around the corner? Well, as the one you as, it, as the one who is in charge of the person in charge of editing these things, <laughs> <laughs> we've got Master and Apprentice ready to roll. We, uh, I think we'll be rolling that out to you next week. And then after that, one of the greatest stories of all time with Star Wars, books anyway, is Darth Plagueis. You skipped one. You skipped one. we got two in the can. Wait, what we did are... I skip? Oh, Resistance Rewards. Oh, Resistance Reborn, I'm very sorry about that. So we've got one more before that, because we're going to stop going out of order now because it messes up the ending of our shows. So Master and Apprentice, then Resistance Reborn, then Darth Plagueis. Stay tuned to NeedlessThingsPodcast.com. Holy cow. All these Needless Things podcasts available wherever you get your podcasts. You're all grown-ups. You know how to use the Google. Uh, You guys, thank you so much for coming on, and thank you so much for providing an awesome uh, uh, whole other podcast experience uh, that I'm very proud to have as part of Needless Things. Thank you. Thank Thank you. You You know, I forget to mention in the news segment, (laughs) uh, the Needless things youtube channel please go subscribe share it with your friends i have been putting up unboxing videos i did a couple of things for may the 4th uh i've got new unboxings coming up all the time and on sunday may the 10th not only is it mother's day it is also phantom day it's my birthday and as a present for everybody I will be unboxing a Holy Grail action figure, one of the most expensive action figures I've ever bought, possibly the most expensive, uh, pound for pound, I guess, and I'll be putting it up on YouTube Sunday at some point, probably like 11 a.m. or something, I don't know. Maybe I'll look and see what's the best time to post stuff on YouTube. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. But please go over, uh, subscribe to the channel, check that out. I'm having a lot of fun doing these unboxing videos. Uh, Sometimes it's going to be new toys. Sometimes it's going to be vintage toys. Sometimes it's going to be other things entirely. I think I'm getting ready to do one for sunglasses right now. But they're very cool, unique sunglasses that are right up the needless things alley. These are not like Oakleys or some shit. So... Check all that out. Follow Needless Things Podcast on Instagram. Follow Phantom Troublemaker on Instagram, where I will occasionally go live and restore a G.I. Joe figure, uh, possibly something else at some point. And just stay tuned. Keep in touch. Join the Needless Things Podcast Facebook group. Lots of fun to be had there. And uh, hang in there. Hang in there. 
I love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Needless Things podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vicks employee. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.